Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about webinars, how you can use this format to get more results, traffic, sales, and even more. We live in the world with automation. So today we can learn how you can uh, use automation on your webinars so you can record videos and go live uh, with recorded videos. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Melissa Kwon. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm excited to learn more, more about that because, you know, I use this format. Uh, I convert to many different formats, uh, trying to kill two birds with one stone, you know, to live stream, to create audio podcasts. Uh, before we start, just tell more about your self-experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about this topic. And uh, about your experience, background, anything. Yeah, I mean, um, the problem that we're solving is we want to save people from doing the same webinar over and over again, um, especially if they're repetitive. And I was actually the person doing them for five years straight in my previous company. Uh, my previous company was a SaaS company. It was always bootstrapped. So we had, um, you know, very limited people. I was everything except for code. So anyone that sells software um, or implements software knows that the only way to train your customers, get them adopted is through webinars. The problem is people sign up and then they don't attend. So what ends up happening is you have to do them again and again and again. So I always kind of envision this perfect product that would do my job for me while I can just go and have fun or, you know, sleep <laughs> for a few more hours. Um, so that was actually the problem that I wanted to solve. So after that company was acquired, um, I decided that um, giving back people's time um, was going to be my next journey. Yeah, nice, nice. Can you tell uh, what to do first? Or if you have some checklist, share with us, uh, because I have a lot of customers who are looking for new formats, uh, not only SEO, uh, digital marketing, any places where they can get more results, sales. So if you have any checklist, share with us. Yeah, so I think that's a big question because obviously this is um, audio, so it's hard to share a, a checklist. But one of the things that I, um, I have a 30 minutes um, workshop that I teach, um, which is on YouTube as well. It's the five uh, effective elements of an on-demand demo. Because um, I think when people... Um, when people think about selling, it's, it's much easier to sell one-on-one, -on -one, like you're in front of me right now responding, um, than it is to sell when you don't actually talk to the person. So this is the major difference between a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call and being able to like fully automate your webinar, right? One, you're actually reacting to the other person, so you can actually deliver the sales pitch that you want. And the other is somebody watches your, your webinar, you're not actually there. And they may or may not reach out to you. So the way that you structure your um, your script and your presentation has to address all the objections before they even come up, and then guide your prospect to a close, knowing that they're not, they may or may not reach out to you um, to answer the objections that they have. So um, if you go on YouTube and, and search my name and search on demand demo, you'll probably find it. Okay, guys, you can find the link in the description below uh, to YouTube channel. Uh... I recommend to subscribe because I subscribe because I love learning more. Uh, Melissa, can you tell uh, uh, how to uh, use automation? That means we can record our webinar and go live in uh, another time. 
but people can ask some questions during the webinar. So how to decide this issue? Yeah, so um, I think anything that you're doing repeatedly, right, that is, is primed for automation, right? So it would be your top of the funnel demo, right? Like your company overview, um, any sort of onboarding, training, feature updates, things that you want to repeat over and over again for a lot of customers or a lot of prospects, those are things that you want to automate. Um, and the way that we do it is super easy. You take any video, even a replay video that you might have uh, from a previous webinar that you've done or a previous screen recording that you've done, you stick it into eWebinar, um, you add some interactions on top of it. So things like polls, questions, contact forms, our software allows you to layer on what we call interactivity. And then as the attendee watches it, they can ask you questions in a chat bubble, kind of like intercom, right? Kind of like Zendesk. So people are already used to this method of asynchronous communication. So if they ask you a question and you happen to be there, then um, you can respond live. But you know, if you're not there, which you know half the time I'm not actually there when, when people are in my demo, and when you respond when they're offline, they actually get your response on email. So it's really no different than you know, any support chat system that uh, people are already using today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, can you tell how often uh, companies can use this format? I know it depends. It depends on uh, format. It depends on audience. But I still get the question. How often it's better or the average data to, uh, uh, I don't know, to live stream or anything like that? Um, I mean, I think that if you have content that works and you have new users coming in every day, you should be scheduling something like this multiple times a day, um, every day of the week, or maybe, you know, at least three, four days of the week and maybe one weekend. Right. So I think that one of the, one of the powers of, of automating, automating your webinar is that it just, it doesn't just happen once, right? A live webinar, you offer it once, once a quarter, once every half year, whatever it might be, it's just not scalable. When you are automating a webinar with a video, you can have it run 20 times this week, 40 times this week, because no one actually has to be there to deliver the presentation. And you can have anybody respond to the chats. You, who, who's presenting, don't actually have to be responding. Somebody on your team could. So I would say that if you have content that you want to deliver um, that you know works, whether it's for lead gen or whether it's for onboarding and, and training, you should be doing it you know, as, as often as possible, because with software like this, um, it actually allows you to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Let's talk more about this software. <laughs> Can you tell, uh, about, uh, interface because, you know, I found that, uh, uh, many content creators usually struggle to uh, learn about new software. Uh, because, uh, most of them are not user-friendly. It takes time to learn. So, uh, Give yeah. insights. Uh, what kind of features you have benefits compared to others? Your unique selling proposition. I mean, like uh, on this software, and any insights about uh, how it can help? Yeah, I mean, I would say you're right. Like um, anyone who's seen webinar automation software in the past knows that it's pretty outdated, right? There's a lot of solutions that were that were made maybe like five to ten years ago. Actually, I don't know how long it was, but if you go to other other solutions, it it feels clunky, right? It feels old. Um, our solution is fairly new. We designed it three, four years ago. Um, and actually what we did was we reimagined what webinar software would look like and feel like if it was designed today. So what that means is we didn't actually take any inspiration from any of our competitors. We looked at things like, you know, Netflix, um, Apple TV, Twitch, uh, video editing software, 
we looked at how people want to edit and engage with video today. And then using, using those principles, we designed eWebinar. So it's super user-friendly. We don't have any live, uh, like, one-on-one -on -one support staff. All of our support is done through um, email and, and chat, and, and usually it's, it's enough already. So I think that says a lot. Um, and on average, uh, our customer gets a webinar up and running and published within half an hour. So um, I would say that the major difference between um, the webinar creation experience uh, for us compared to someone else is we mimic video editing software. So when you upload a video and you layer on things like polls, questions, uh, contact forms, sales alerts, you know, things like that, you can layer it on as if you're editing the screen. So you're always seeing exactly what the customer is seeing. So it's super user-friendly in that way. Um, and then for the attendee, it's a super um, interactive experience where when people are watching, they can hit a like button, which no other webinar solution has. Um, and then all of that, we graph it you know, in analytics as well. Um, and then as you're watching, we pop up these interactivity that you as the host have programmed to keep them engaged until the end. So it's way less like a Zoom where when you go in, someone's just talking at you, you know, for half an hour and an hour, or an hour um, and, and feels more like interactive TV where someone's presenting, but there's also something to do um, as someone's talking. Yeah, interesting. Uh, by the way, I like that you touch this topic, how to retain audience longer, uh, because it's a big issue. You now uh, I check out data online. Uh, people uh, bounce fast. It doesn't matter what kind of content they take, uh, video content, articles, books. Uh, for example, only 5% of all books are uh, uh, read because people have no time or uh, they can lose interest. For example, you know, uh, by the way, I have the same problem. If I take a book from Jack London, you know, he wrote his amazing books 100 years ago, I can forget about sleep, water, meal, uh, because I'm part of the journey. I can live on this book. You now I feel this book, but uh, many business books are great for sleep. You now when you have the problems with sleep, you can read and sleep well all night. Uh, and uh, it's the same issue with any content. Can you share insight how to retain audience longer? For example, if I need to set up my webinar like 30 minutes, an hour, so how, uh, what kind of reason do I need to give them or how to engage them until then? I mean, because I'm more of an expert in webinar automation, I can't really speak to people that do live, uh, but I would say that the number one way to retain someone's attention is to make sure they can actually attend, right? So um, the average attendance rate for a live webinar, traditional webinars as we know it, is around 25%. But the average attendance rate for an e-webinar customer, because it's automated, is 65%. So that's 40% higher than the industry average. And the reason is because anytime you automate something, it's on a recurring schedule. If you can't make it next Tuesday, you can have it tomorrow, today, the week after, you know, whatever it might be. So people can actually attend the webinar that you're doing. This is the major issue with running live webinars is it's only next Tuesday at 11. Everybody wants to do it next Tuesday at 11. But guess what I'm doing next Tuesday at 11? I'm working on something else, or maybe I'm taking my kids to school. I'm, I'm like, you are basically at the bottom of the total pool. So I think the number one thing to get people to attend 
is just to make sure that it's available when they are available. Don't force them into your own schedule. And this is actually the, the biggest power of, of automating your content is making it available to your customers and your prospects when they are available. The next thing is, I think, you know, people talk a lot about like webinar length, how long should it be, blah, blah, blah. But like, actually those things don't impact how long people stay. Like we have people that have 20 minute webinars, people that have two hour webinars and their completion rate is still over 95%. I think a lot of it de like depends on the, um, the enthusiasm of the presenter, right? The more experienced you are, the more experienced you are in getting people's attention and retaining them. Like not all content is presented the same, right? And, and I would say the more you do, the better you get at that. Um, but also structure content that is valuable from beginning to the end. I've been to a lot of webinars where there's a lot of chit chat in the beginning. Um, and then there's a lot of buildup before you actually get to the core of what you want to deliver. Like maybe a few years ago, those tactics kind of worked, but not anymore, right? People are super busy. They don't have time to wait around. If you promote your webinar to be a certain topic, make it that topic, just get into it. Right. And then make it really short. Right. Like if don't don't fill it with with content that's not valuable to the to the customer, to the attendee. Um, and so I, I think those are the three things is making it available when your customers are available, um, practicing on, you know, your public speaking so you can deliver you know, a great, engaging and enthusiastic presentation, um, but also work on your script so that it's valuable all the way through um, and that there's no like filler content. Yeah, valuable, valuable. I agree with that. Okay, uh, I opened your LinkedIn profile. Now I see your uh, core messages uh, on the background, and um, I like uh, interactive from start to finish. Can you tell more about that? How we can uh, use interactive design or anything else that can help to retain audience longer? Yeah, so these are the interactions that I've mentioned earlier. So things like, you know, polls, questions, quizzes, contact forms, um, conversion notifications, right, offers, you know, things that actually pop up. Some pop up over the screen if you want to, like hot buttons, buy buttons, you know, things like that. Some pop up in the interactive panel um, on the right side of the screen. So as someone is watching you present, there's also things for them to touch, things for them to answer. Um, and what we found is if you have an interaction that shows up every two to three minutes, that tends to keep people engaged uh, until the very end. And the important thing about that is if you have a CTA that you want to deliver in the end and people are bouncing midway, then you're actually wasting your time, right? So one of the reasons why you want to have, you know, those interactivity things that pop up all the way until the end is so that they can stay interested. And then at the end, you can deliver your, your call to action. Mm -hmm. And um, I found that you have uh, comprehensive analytics. Can you tell what kind of data uh, companies can get by uh, learning this analytics uh, and how it can help to improve the quality of the next webinar? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the number one metric that we look at is how many hours you saved. So mm -hmm. I actually looked at um, all the demos that I did in 2022. So I think close to 3,000 people joined my demo in 2022 without ever talking to me. 20% of people actually signed up for a free trial and converted on their own. Um, but in last year alone, I saved close to 1,100 hours. I don't have a sales team. I'm bootstrapped. So I'm doing this on my mm -hmm. own. 
So the one metric that we show at the top of our, our, our graph is how many hours you've saved from automating this particular webinar. The next thing we show is, of course, uh, registrants and attendee activity, right? How many landed on your page? How many signed up? How many attended? Did they stay till the end? How long did they stay on average? Um, how long did they stay on average on which, which session type? So if they watch a replay, this is how long they stay. If they watch a future session, this is how long they stay. And because we have the ability to hit a thumbs up throughout your webinar, we actually map the number of thumbs up that you receive over your video. So if you see a sharp drop off in the middle, you can actually play the video inside the graph itself, inside the report itself and see, is there something I said just now or you know, a minute before that caused people to drop? The other thing that we show is all the results of the interactivity. So all the polls, all the questions, all the quizzes that people answer. What's good about that is you can see what people care about. What don't they care about? So one of the first question that I ask when someone comes into my demo is how did you hear about eWebinar? About 25% of people actually answer that question. So with 3000 people join, that's a lot of answers. So once in a while I'll go in and see, okay, how do people hear about us? Do we have to spend more on Google ads? Is it word of mouth? Who do they hear about us from? So from getting all that data, seeing where people engage, how people answer, where they drop off, you can actually better your presentation for next time. The other thing that you can use is, for example, if you know that at the 15th minute, this question always comes up. So in the future, you can actually add a help article that addresses that question so people don't have to text you so much. Because a lot of being able to automate this is also to lower your own support so you can work less, not more. And then so if you redo your webinar, if you redo your video, then you can make sure that you answer that question before it even comes up. So a great example of that is we ran our first version of our demo for about nine months. We took everything we learned and we created this second demo. It was longer. It was about three minutes longer than the old one. We tried to keep it short, but there were so many things that we learned that we wanted to make sure that we put in the new version. Um, and what we found was people watched less of the new demo, but the conversion rate was actually 5% higher than the old one. So that actually means that people didn't need to see more, right? They were yeah. like, okay, I've watched this to, you know, 75%, I'm convinced. And then they just sign up on their own. So that was a pretty interesting exercise. Um, and then the current demo we've run for like over a year and, and we haven't really found um, a reason to change that up yet. Yeah, you know, I, I often have the same on my LinkedIn posts. Some posts can get like 300,000 views. Some posts get 1,000 views. But I can sell from posts that have uh, lower views because uh, of uh, sharing call to action. But if I engage the audience, people can watch, engage, spend time, and uh, don't buy anything. <laughs> so uh, can you tell more about call to action? For example, you know, I found that why many companies uh, don't want to use this format. Uh, I uh, asked them and they replied because they can't sell. You know, uh, in webinars, they need to share some value. You mentioned about value. Of course, value is important, but uh, companies want to sell products because sales are fuel, not um, uh, getting this engagement that you mentioned. Uh, you can get uh, a, a lot of views, longer views, but uh, we need to sell. Can you tell how to change a buying mood? For example, if a company wants to uh, educate customers 
uh, about their pain points, but in the end, they need to change by mood that this products, uh, some specific products can decide their problems to submit this call to action. Any insights about it? Um, I'm going to have to ask you to repeat your question because I'm not fully uh, understanding what you're asking. Uh, for example, uh, you know, uh, if I'm going to create info content, educational content, but uh, how to submit call to action that my products can decide uh, problems, you know, uh, uh, on this content. Because, you know, uh, if, uh, once I uh, spoke with Neil Patel, he is one mm -hmm. of the most uh, famous uh, marketers, and he told that um, he uses uh, the format when uh, he can change a buying mood. If someone want to learn about digital marketing, uh, he can uh, share value then he can change a buying mood uh, by uh, submitting call to action so can you tell how to unite call to for example you know if i write an article on my blog article about uh, how to lose weight let's imagine I, I wrote an article great article with many great tips but i can submit call to action uh, please buy products you know uh, my course yeah. my pills i don't know it doesn't matter so uh, buy something uh, but on webinars it's hard it's more harder than on uh, articles because uh, I can't submit the link people watch. Uh, of course, they can check out this description. So any insights how to do it on webinar? I mean, I think first you just have a call to action because I, I've actually been to a lot of webinars that don't have one. Like they're mm -hmm. like, oh, here's the information and then bye, right? Like, I mean, if you're spending an hour doing like presenting content and many hours before prepping it, like you should ask for something. Um, and whether somebody takes that action is, is up to them. Um, I can't speak for other solutions, but for eWebinar, we allow people to embed an offer card. So if you want to sell something, you get to the end of your presentation. You're like, okay, here's my product. Um, click here to buy. You can even layer that button on top of the video so people don't miss it. And on top of that, you can pin the, the offer card, the product card, to your screen so that even as you're talking and other other interaction cards come up, the offer card is the one that sticks, right? So mm -hmm. we, we've actually thought about um, how to help people convert better by making that offer more visible so that it doesn't scroll away, right? And, and a lot of people that are focused on using eWebinar for marketing and sales will leverage those features as well. Um, the other thing that we have in our, in our solution that creates kind of this FOMO is um, we allow you to install um, a conversion pixel on your checkout page so that you can have conversion alerts that pop up um, as you're talking about your offer. So maybe you start talking at your, about your offer at 30 minutes. You can say from 30 minutes to 35 minutes, I want conversion alerts pop up for anyone who signed up for a free trial in the last week. Mm -hmm. So as you're talking, not only is your product pinned, uh, you know, sign up for a free trial or buy the product, whatever it might be, it basically says, um, you know, Melissa signed up, Jane has signed up, John has signed up. Um, but those are all based on actual conversions. Um, mm -hmm. and, and everything that we do is, is actually um, based on like real life data. So the, that, that's another thing that we offer that can create kind of that, that FOMO. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, uh, I have the question about common mistakes. Can you list uh, mistakes? that companies still do and how to find a much better way today. 
Yeah, I think one of the most common mistakes that companies make is to be stuck in the old way, right? Like being convinced that live is better. If I am here with my customer right now, it's better. It's more engaging. But the thing is, how is live better when it's not available to your customer, right? How is live better when I can't get that information when I want it? Like you're dictating, you're forcing me into your buying process. Um, and then on top of that, there's a lot of issues with, with live webinars, right? Connection issues, people can't join, there's technical issues. Um, you have a bad day, maybe you're sick, no one's to fill in for you. Um, all of your content is inconsistent. The, repl the replays are, you know, have a lot of chatter in it. It's not relevant. The quality is low and then I bounce. So um, I think the biggest mistake is not being willing to try things that actually make your processes more efficient. Things like automating webinars. And when we talk about webinars, it's not just like an actual webinar, right? It's not just the onboarding and the, and the training webinar. It's also your demo, right? How many companies refuse to open up their demo. But the thing is like, just look at my stats last year in 2022, on an average, 300 people joined my demo per month on average. How big of a team do you need to actually deliver 300 demos? But the reality is if you, if a customer can only get your demo live, they're just not going to go. They're not going to want to see it because they don't, they don't want to talk to you. So what offering an on-demand automated demo does is it allows everybody, regardless of where they are in their buying journey, anywhere in the world, anytime to see your product so they can get the information that they need to make a buying decision when they want to. But when companies are way too sales led and they're focused on how many leads they get in, how many calls they get, they're actually missing out on a much larger opportunity, which is cast a much wider net, allow this top of the funnel demo to actually qualify people out because a lot of people are going to see that and be like, Oh, this is actually not for me. So they don't want to mm -hmm. talk to a salesperson and your salesperson should not be talking to that person, right? They should be talking to people who are, who want to buy, who are, already know what the pricing is. Right. So this is what I, um, this is what I see a lot of companies do as they're, um, as they're struggling to make that transition is well, but isn't live better. Well, I mean, saying live is better is almost saying I can't watch Netflix because everything is recorded. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we've, we've moved on to wanting to have on-demand video in our everyday lives. So why should mm -hmm. B2B be any different? Yeah. Nice. Nice. You know, you remind me Bill Gates, you know, once he said, <laughs> if, <laughs> if he wants to create something new, he can hire lazy people uh, because, you know, for example, uh, and you know, I can feel the same. If I need automation, I need to take your software because I know that it, it can simplify my life. It can make, I don't know, many things, you know, because of user-friendly, because of uh, automation, because of pre-recorded. Yeah, love it. Okay, Melissa, I have the question about um, experience. Let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do today to learn more about uh, setting webinars? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think um, everybody knows what a webinar is. Like everyone to like after 2020, everyone's at least seen one. What a lot of people have not done is actually hosted one. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the beauty of not having a live webinar is you don't need to know public speaking, right? You can record your screen, use Loom, like you've got like your video in a bubble and then you've got the screen record. And 
that's your webinar. You can edit the video, you can, you know, say things wrong and you can say it again and edit it out like with something as easy as Descript, for example. Um, so I think the best way to start is number one, to figure, to look at your business and to see where in my business do I have content that I want to deliver and that repeatedly that I want to, that I want to automate. So maybe it's your onboarding session. Maybe you're sick of doing live onboarding sessions or you're doing so many that it's disheartening or you're, you're doing so many, but it's still not enough, right? That onboarding session that you do over and over again, like maybe it's one-on-one -on -one with a customer, just record it on your screen. Pretend that you're doing it with your customer. Record it on your screen. And after a few times of doing that, it's going to be so good that you can just automate it. And the thing is, you don't have to automate it using something like your webinar. You can start with using something like YouTube, right? It, it's just a mindset of shifting away from, I have to do everything live in my business and going to, how can I be more efficient and productive so I can free up my time? to do things that aren't repetitive, right? So I think that's the best place to start is number one, figure out where in your business you want to automate that you can't automate and then just practice, right? Practice recording yourself. Cause I know from, from experience that if you've never recorded yourself, monologuing is so hard. It's really weird, <laughs> right? It's easier to do a conversation like what we're having right now. Cause like there's some eyes to look at than you know, just recording my screen, but I promise you, like it, it does get better over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Consistency. I think, you know, uh, nobody was born, you know, to be great. Uh, you can become great by, uh, you know, practice consistency and, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, on your LinkedIn profile, I found that, uh, zero fresh works later, uh, are using your uh, uh, your tool to automate their webinar strategy. Can you tell more about webinar strategy? Uh, how to create a strategy? Because I found that many companies, uh, they usually use generic strategy. They check out competitors, analyze what they do, replicate, fail because they don't consider unique selling proposition, uh, customers' preferences. Can you tell how to personalize webinar strategy and create uh, good ones? <laughs> I mean, I think the coolest thing about automating your webinars is you can do so many of them, right? Uh, I'm mm -hmm. not talking about like just doing the same one over and over again. Of course, you can do the same one so many times, but because no one has to do it live, you're able to offer so much more content, so many more webinars for different lines of your product, right? For different types of users. Some people are beginners some people are intermediate some people are advanced but if you have to do it live you can only do one generic webinar that fits everybody so no one's actually getting the information that is most useful to them so the companies that you have mentioned as soon as they've automated their strategy what they've done is figure out now that i don't have to do it live what are the new opportunities that it's opening up so maybe i have five product lines and i was only training people on these two um, another good example is we have a company that would only offer a Spanish webinar once a year because they couldn't get a trainer to do it. And then they would only do their mobile training webinar once a year because it was so hard to coordinate the two devices, like with their mobile phone and, and the computer. But now with the webinar, they're able to create so many different segments of webinars, making it available to everybody. And that benefits, you know, 
obviously new new users, but also customers that they want to retain, customers that they want to educate, and also want to upsell. So I think there's a lot of, I mean, every company is different, but once you know that you don't have to do it live, so many different opportunities open up um, because that's just some, that's just content that you can set and forget. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, uh, I have the final question. Uh, can you tell about the future of webinars? You know, many things are coming. Uh, metaverse, I don't know, Meta reality. We'll see. We don't know uh, how it looks, <laughs> but yeah. you know, I, I still get the question. Is SEO dead? Is Instagram dead? YouTube dead? I don't know. Many other things. <laughs> People love it so, when things are dead. <laughs> yeah. People love it when other things fail, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it, because it's like, you know, if you have no patience, it's that because uh, it's hard to overcome competitors. It's hard to do uh, <laughs> something from scratch when you have strong competition, but you can learn through experience. You can practice, as you mentioned, you can test, analyze and find actually what works for you. So any insights about the future, predict the future in uh, webinar sphere? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the future of, of webinars is, you know, asynchronous. Right. Like it doesn't like what we're talking about now is not just automating it, but making it available kind of like Netflix. Right. I like using that analogy because everybody gets it. Um, it's making it available to anyone in any time zone. But delivering an equal or greater experience than it is live. Right. And, and you're already seeing that happen with, you know, with software like eWebinar, but also a lot of interactive video. Like Vimeo, for example, just bought um, an interactive video company last year. So it's things like shoppable videos, being able to choose your own adventure, having agendas, being able to skip, like just making that consumption experience so much more beautiful and engaging than here's a YouTube video. So I think the future of webinars is going to move closer and closer to interactive video. And I think that's where the opportunity is because the major difference between a video and a webinar is the attendee the viewer's ability to engage with the host, right? People mm -hmm. love webinars because I can come and talk to you. I can have my question answered. When I go to YouTube or Wistia, I can leave a comment. That's not how I communicate. So while I think there's always going to be a space for, for video, um, it's never going to overtake webinars because it's the communication piece that makes it so much more interesting. But if you take a traditional webinar right now and make it more like an interactive video, which is the goal that, that we have as a company, then you, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone, right? So not only are people watching it with this truly engaging, interactive, powerful experience, they also get to reach out to you and build a relationship with you, which is how companies sell. Yeah, nice, nice, awesome, awesome. Melissa, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you, tell our audience the best way, how to reach out to you, how to learn more about you, how to follow you. Yeah, the best way to reach out to me is through LinkedIn. My last name is spelled Kwan, K-W-A-N, name Melissa. And if you're curious about eWebinar, how it can help you and your business, um, just go to eWebinar.com. It's spelled exactly as it sounds. Yeah, guys, you can find all these links, uh, LinkedIn profile, uh, website in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Love all your insights, guys. You need to follow Melissa on LinkedIn because I follow her on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I'm going to use uh, a webinar.com. Just open the website, simple uh, as a spell, and, or open on the description. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, 
Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.